you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Damashek football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. Welcome to the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on iTunes, Stitcher, and nfl.com/slash/sheck. Boy, that cheer is so loud in my ears, and just leave it that way, black tie behind the glass, because this is an exciting day. We are coming at you on Tuesday, local time out here on the West Coast, 3-11-P. I've dropped the M from it. I think that's a time saver. <laughs> you know if it's A-M or P-M, all I have to do is say the A or the P. What was the, the M is now unnecessary. It's a time saver, except I just ate up 17 seconds explaining why I dropped the M. But you apply that, and it'll catch on, and for generations to come, people will thank Dave Damashek for removing the M from their lives, thereby saving them. <laughs> Over the course of, you know, like 80 years on the planet earth if you remove that m every time you say am or pm then it probably will amount to like 15 extra minutes you're gonna have and that'll be you time let's talk about i don't know why i'm getting distracted because it's an exciting time 312 p here on the west coast now on free agency day the man seated to my immediate left has joined to help break it all down so much action i dare say more action than any free agency day has ever seen in pro football history. He is the scout supreme, one of our favorites here on DDFP in Studio 66 Maximum Strength. It's the great Bucky Brooks. Bucky, what's the poop, fella? 
What's going on, Shaq? You you forgot you forgot when you were you were throwing all the accolades. You forgot podcast free agent. I think it's very important that you let. I haven't know. forgotten about that. You're still our free agent, and we're I'm out there. You. I'm out there trying to put my flag. Why do you think you're here? Why do you think you're here on the first day of free agency? I appreciate it. Did you get a call from the fancy around the NFL guys? <laughs> I would say this. No, they're though. too busy out getting each other sandwiches or whatever they do with last them. week. Bucky Brooks was supposed to be in around the NFL. And the guys, it felt like they, you know, Bucky Brooks high-hatted them, you know. They, well, he was uh, high-hatted Yeah. Bucky was out there getting recruited by you, apparently. So, Well, water finds its level. That's what they say, <laughs> you know. Hey, Bucky, this is an exciting, exciting day with so many moves. Black Tie, do not hesitate. I usually really despise your interruptions. <laughs> not today, though. I, I want all the breaking news as it happens. At the time of this recording, Darrell Rivas hasn't made his decision yet. Many others have, and one of those guys is Chip Kelly. Boy, oh boy, he's moving pieces all over the place. Let's get into it. But real quick, has this day, I like to rank things if you haven't noticed, Bucky, and (laughs) non-game-related sporting events, if you know what I mean. We have Selection Sunday coming up in uh, in college basketball where they tell you where everybody's seated. There's the NFL draft. There's the NBA draft. Where does this rank now? Free agency day? Is this up? I mean, this is maybe more exciting than Selection Sunday at this point. Well, I don't know if it's more exciting than Selection Sunday. March Madness is is one of those crown jewel sports. You'd rather w- you'd rather see where teams are seated than you would watch what's happening in free agency. I mean, I'm a football guy, but March Madness is exciting. So it's exciting I love it because you have to fill out your bracket. You don't fill out a bracket for free agency. So I'm gonna say March Madness a little bit ahead of this, but. The NFL has done a great job of really making certain points of the offseason calendar marquee moments. This is certainly a marquee moment. Well, we caught up with some free agents on the red carpet of NFL honors the night before the Super Bowl about a month ago, and uh, out of that came many things that you'll be seeing on NFL.com in the coming weeks. One of them is I asked a bunch of uh, NFL stars, what is the better Girl Scout cookie, the Samoa or the Thin Mint, they all weighed in. There's a video out there for your perusal if you'd like to check it out. Bucky, what's the correct answer? Thin Mint. That's correct. Good for you, Thin Mint. And since I'm, I've been... Get Bucky a crate of Thin Mints, and we will win his services. I, 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 don't, I don't need him. I have enough in my garage. <laughs> but <laughs> but the, the thing that I didn't know about Thin Mints, you're supposed to freeze them. Like, oh, you put yeah, them in the good. freezer, sure. and you pull them out the freezer, and they're supposed to be like, that's that's like your dessert. Or the Can thing. I give you another little tip? Yeah, give me a little, little tidbit. Crush them up. Put them in some vanilla ice cream. I mean, I can see that. You've just stamped your ticket to Cloud 9. I've, I've seen Thank it. Thank me later. Um, yes, so we did that. That video's there. What else, Black Tie? We have, oh, Antonio Brown paid us a visit here in Studio 66, and he pulled a prank on me, which I didn't appreciate. Black Tie was complicit in it. The talent Turk, Marcus Smith, was complicit in this. They got me, Bucky, and I didn't appreciate it. That being said, it was a delightful time we had with uh, with A.B., a.k.a. the best receiver in the NFL, so we kibitzed with him. Whoa, you need to settle down. I When's mean, that video coming out? We'll see the video, but the, the amount of uh, butt-kissing you were doing was a bit much. You kind of uh, went I, overboard. I can imagine. I can why would that? Why would I? Down. Why is it butt-kissing to tell him he's the best receiver in the NFL not. when the numbers I'm bear sorry, out that he is not, the best receiver? He's not. Let's say top three. Possibly. Bucky, is he the best receiver in the NFL? I won't say that he's the best, but he's in the top three. Yeah. I mean, he had a great, right, well, he had a remarkable no year. Question. He has, he's he has had outstanding, two straight outstanding talent, outstanding skills. However, typically you're up for the bigger receiver 
if you're going to pick one off the board. That's fine, that's the, but he has 244 thing. catches in the last two I years. I can't always do that, but just because Wes Welker had 100 catches doesn't necessarily make him the best guy yeah. on the field. Like We can't just do catches, it's impact and those things. He's in the conversation. I just can't say that you can just put that on him. Let Come on, player. What's, that? What's up with that? <laughs> See, that guy whose voice you just heard agrees with me. Now, listen, Black Tie, what else do you want me to promote? Because I want to dig in on free agency here. Well, uh, Antonio Brown video. That's going oh, to in a week. Ladanian Tomlinson was going to be in today, but stuff's happening so fast and furious. We'll do that on Wednesday, and there will be a video of that. We'll run through some free agency stuff with him as well as Bucky. And then Justin Forsett is coming in here momentarily. He'll be joining us here in Studio 66 by show's end. And, we'll, I mean, he's an interesting candidate, too. Who knows? Maybe by the time he gets in here, he'll have signed with the Ravens or one of the other teams chasing him. Bucky, let's start with what we know. And, again, Black Tie, I have my Twitter open, but I'm talking to Bucky, my guest. Because I, I, I handle my business like a gentleman. I make eye contact with my guests. I'm listening to him. I make him feel like he's the only person in the world. <laughs> There's a mix of kind of romantic yeah. business, mm-hmm. awkwardness. Thank you, Eric Decker. See, he knows. <laughs> he, he's, he's felt. He's felt what you're now feeling, Bucky. But Black Tie, that means that you must watch the waiver wire oh, you have to so see you what's mean, going down. You mean rather than listen to the show, I should be on social media? Do both. You can do mm-hmm. both things. Raise your game. This is an important day in pro football, and uh, we're happy to report that our pal A.J. Hawk has landed. How does that make you feel? With the, the Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals. That's really not a headline story. Jimmy Graham to uh, the to the uh, Seattle Seahawks team that's been in the last two Super Bowls from the NFC may be more significant. Yeah, I, I, well, listen, I don't like A.J. Hawk going to a division foe of my Pittsburgh Steelers, but I feel bad for Hawk. I'm happy for him because it's his home state team, went to Ohio State. Now he gets to finish his career, presumably, in the same state. I just feel bad he's got to wear one of the ugliest uniforms in the league. Uh, you just don't like the stripes on the helmet? You I don't, don't like, like the tiger stripes. It's ugly the whole way. I don't like the orange jerseys when they wear those. I like the orange jerseys. The whole thing looks loud. You want to go back to Bengals yes. spelled out? Yes, I like Pete that. Johnson and Ken Anderson. Thank you. Wanna, you you want to take it all the way back that way? I love that. I think that that's was sexy a nice when they put the, ti- the tiger. You don't like the stripes. I like the one it just said. Bengals on the side of the hat. I mean, what about Jimmy Graham, Bucky? Lay it on me. This out of the blue. In fact, I ran into an NFL network executive in the hallway and, um, you know, kibitzing about this. It's great excitement. And in fact, I just came out of the green room where Maurice Jones drew Justin Forsett, Willie McGinnis, Michael Robinson, and others all gathered down there. Daniel, Jeremiah, all kibitzing. What do we think about this? What do we think about that? Great stuff. I'll try to keep you up to speed on their thoughts as well. Um, but uh, so I said the, the, the executive said, um, man, it's, what, what's surprising is the names that we thought we would be talking about today have barely even been mentioned, and Dominic and Sue and so on, because these deals are out of left field by Chip Kelly and, and beyond. So let's start with that one. Seattle goes and gets Jimmy Graham? Why are the Saints getting rid of him? Surprised at why the Saints would get rid of him. It, it makes you wonder if there's something deeper, uh, a disconnect between maybe Sean Payton and Jimmy Graham. We saw some of the issues that they had play out on the field. Uh, they had tendency to have a couple arguments last year during hmm. the regular season. Then when you look at Jimmy Graham's injury history, banged up the last couple years, has played well, but you wonder with so many injuries that are beginning to kind of pile up, can he be a dependable guy going forward, particularly at the number that he's playing at? 
maybe they felt like it's better to sell him high and then reinvest on some of the other aspects of the team, particularly with Drew Brees getting older. Maybe they're using this opportunity as a chance to completely reboot the program. Is that what you're guessing? That was going to be my question. I mean, Drew Brees is 36 now. His one consistent target over the last handful of years, when he's healthy, like you say, has been Jimmy Graham, Marcus Colston, and the rest of that uh, just, wide just, receiver. Yeah, complimentary guys. Even yeah. though I do like Brandon Cooks. I like him very uh, much, Brandon too. Cooks, I don't know if he's ready to step in and assume the role as a number one receiver. With Jimmy Graham, it was so easy for Drew Brees to really use him. They did a great job of moving him around because he was the focal point of the passing game. People would direct their coverage there. That allowed the rest of those guys to eat without a dominant playmaker in the middle of the field. I now wonder how they're going to be able to dictate to opponents the coverage that they want to see because they don't have that chess piece that kind of controls the board. All right, we'll get to the Seahawks because we're focusing on the Saints. But what? So now they get the Seahawks first-round pick, which is the 31st overall. Good chance if they wanted to take a runner there. I mean, I guess there are some nice receivers available beyond just a couple of big names here in in Amari Cooper and Kevin White. There are enough receivers there. They probably try to replenish at that position there. But it is curious what the Saints, how relevant they're going to be in 2015. Yeah, what are they loading up for? You have Drew Brees there. Drew Brees is obviously near the end of a very, very uh, productive career. Uh, but you don't see the weapons right now that jump off the page. And so are they packaging those – are they attempting to package those picks to move up to get someone that they really want? Mm. Is this an opportunity for them possibly to say there's a quarterback that we like in Jameis Winston or Marcus Mariota? We're willing to give that up to have a secession plan in place for Drew Brees. It gives them the options to make those decisions. However, whenever you lose a Pro Bowl player, a guy that is one of the best tight ends in all of football, you talk about Rob Gronkowski and him being at the top, tough to give it up, particularly to a team that is already loaded. Well, now let's talk about that. And by the way, when was the rule passed that I missed, apparently, that all the league's best players that come available have to go to the best teams? I mean, Peyton Manning started this trend, it feels like. Revis goes to the Patriots last year, and, you know... um, uh, I'm trying to think of uh, another good example of that. But, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Revis winds up going up there. Well, now Jimmy Graham goes to the to the Seahawks and so on. But what? so what do we make of Graham as a fit in that offense? Great fit. Uh, one of the best things they could have done to really energize their passing game. When you look at it on the surface, when I prepare for the Seattle Seahawks, I now have to worry about two marquee players in the middle. Marshawn Lynch at tailback, and now Jimmy Graham at tight end. And so if you think about the way the game is traditionally played, with a star running back back there like Marshawn Lynch, you typically want to drop your safety in the box to have an eight-man front versus two back sets. The problem with that approach now with Jimmy Graham, are you willing to leave your safety one-on-one with Graham when he lines up? Mm. Also, your ability to be creative with your formations. There are a lot of Y outside of Z formations, meaning that we're willing to split Jimmy Graham outside of the outermost flanked wide receiver. With him being outside, now Russell Wilson can easily determine what coverage you're in. If it's a linebacker outside, he knows it's man-to-man. If it's a cornerback outside, he now knows his zone. It allows the game to be very easy for the quarterback to play. 
Just look at what Rob Gronkowski was able to do to the Seahawks in the Super Bowl and what he's been able to do to other teams. Mm -hmm. Now you've given Seattle that opportunity. And for all of the criticism that we've lobbed at the Seahawks for the lack of a true number one receiver, Jimmy Graham just made Doug Baldwin, Jermaine Curse, and the rest of their guys more dangerous because now they no longer will see that suffocating coverage that they saw in the Super Bowl because teams will now have to direct all of their attention to Jimmy Graham and still have to worry about stopping a formidable running attack. This made their offense dangerous, more explosive, gives them what they thought Percy Harvin would give them in terms of being able to be diverse in their approach. That's why I got Bucky Brooks in here. I, well that, I mean, Break that was the heat. deeply insightful uh, X's and O's there, too. What, well, is, real quick, real quick. I mean, this, he, what basically, do you, basically, you basically what he was saying was, Hey, I'm Russell Wilson. And I throw a sexy deep ball. Uh, don't black ties, in case you aren't up to speed on that, uh, Buck, Black Tie is very much in love with Russell. He doesn't, love, he doesn't even try Russell's to hide my it guy. I got a story, though. During, my, uh, during Russell's rookie year, uh, he made the Pro Bowl, and I was working the Pro Bowl practice with Drew Brees, Mike W. Drew Brees. Drew Brees is standing right next to Russell Wilson. I'm right there, and they're chatting about Russell's telling him how like he loves what the Saints do and how he would love to have a tight end on his team, kind of like what they have with Jimmy Graham. Three years later, they actually have Jimmy Graham. I, I, This has been going on for a while. It's official now. I think I'm officially a Seahawks fan because Jimmy's my boy. <laughs> Russell's been my boy for a while. So I'm still going to be objective. I'm not going to be one of those fans that's kind of like, you know, jaded, like Sheck all, all, all the time. But those are my guys. So I'm rolling with the Hawks, man. It is all what right. it is. Muzzle tough. What a front runner you are. What, what a courageous <laughs> it's, it's, decision. It's a, it's a great move. It's a great <laughs> I mean, I've been, I've been cool with Russell since day one, though. Like, all you right. can't say that. No, he's, he's an outstanding player. In fact, this will give him an opportunity now to join that conversation that people have tried to put him in in terms of being an elite quarterback. Mm -hmm. uh, you talk about the questions of whether he can really thrive in the pocket. The easiest way to help a young quarterback is to put a tight end, a dominant tight end, in the middle of the field. Those are the easiest throws for the quarterback because it's close, it's right in their line of vision when they drop back from – uh, when they drop back from center, and when you think about the blitzes and the pressure and the zone blitzes that people come at you, the tight end is often a hot or an option on that. It really makes the game easy for Russell. Wilson. How hard is it? One minor concern, I imagine. Not not minor. Max Unger is well known to uh, to Hawks fans, and how good he is, and what a drop off it has been. Even you saw it last year when Unger went out that they didn't run the balls effectively. Is that a problem, or can they correct that in free agency? I mean, it's a problem, but I think anyone on the surface or in the front office to say, give me the dominant tight end, I can find a center. And even though Max Unger is one of the best in the business, I can go in the draft and find a guy that can snap the ball and can do some of the things that he was able to do. Jimmy Graham will help that offensive line. He'll help the running game. He helps them far more than Max Unger did. And that's no slight to Unger. Jimmy Graham is a special player. He's a, a matchup dictator, and he allows you to really decide how you want to attack. Passing game, running game, open it up, take shots deep, not only to him but to those complementary weapons. He makes everyone better. He has a bigger impact on the offense than what Unger would. Well, we know that defense, uh, the core of it at least, has been retained. That was a big deal for Schneider and company and uh, Carroll, of course, to hold on to those guys. But Malcolm Smith leaves, Byron Maxwell leaves, Max Unger, some big pieces from this little run there. The rest of the NFC. But I will go back to this. Understand what they're really losing. Seventh-round pick in Malcolm Smith, mm -hmm. sixth-round pick in Byron Maxwell. Typically, being in the front office, when you're drafting, 
you're not counting on those guys to be your guys. When you're drafting, you're thinking your focus is on the first three rounds. Those first three rounds need to be where you acquire the bulk of your starters. Seattle has been so good at drafting and developing their own that they've had success with their later round picks starting. And you don't like losing those guys, but you didn't count on those guys to be guys that were going to be 10-year players in your program. You lose them. You hope that you continue to draft well. You find someone on day three in those later rounds that can come in and fill those roles. They believe that the young guys are capable of stepping up to play. They put them in a situation to do that. I think they'll continue to roll with those guys. The big thing is they kept the core of their team together, Mm -hmm. which gives them an opportunity to make another run the next two or three years. Boy, and now the rest of that division is kind of up in the air. The Niners are a mess. I joke about them being like the last – edition of the police academy movies when the only people left from the original cast are yes. the the guy who makes the noise and the meek lady who, who yells at people once a movie you know which one i'm talking, yeah, about? talking about um but then who even in the conference stands out to you right now the packers do a nice so job i gotta say you're the you're that guy who makes a movie reference and wants to confirm that the person you're talking to knows what you're talking about you know what i mean you That's just right. can't let it roll i was you, challenging you, bucky on it yeah I was. I don't know why you do it. I, I, I knew Bucky knows his stuff. What do you think it's like? I, what, Bucky, you it's understand my plight. I try to talk to Black Tie behind the glass about movies. It's just a, I get up. He doesn't watch. He doesn't get watch. blank well, stare back. He doesn't know anything. That's a, that's a weird move to make, Shaq. You have you ever seen a Police Academy movie? He wants to confirm his movie reference. I have seen. I don't remember any of them, though. <laughs> wow, I'm surprised you've even seen one. All right, but so the the Packers keep Randall Cobb, which is a good thing. I don't know if they're going to keep Tremont Williams, though. Um, my guess is B.J. Raji is, is, uh, has played his last game in Green Bay. I guess I don't know that for for certain. Hawk has moved on. I think that was more – and, well, we know that was more of a team thing. So who even jumps out at you right now as a threat to them? Because the Eagles – what have the Eagles done? Make sense of what Chip Kelly is trying to do, Bucky. Uh, I can't fully make sense of what he's trying to do. Earlier uh, – well, last week, late last week – I took a shot at Chip Kelly and the Philadelphia Eagles because I've never seen an offensive genius, quote-unquote, decide to jettison so many Pro Bowl players at prominent positions. Deshaun Jackson, you trade away Shady McCoy, who was obviously the backbone of that offense. And then you don't – you're not able to sign Jeremy Macklin. So three Pro Bowl players hit the bricks. And I'm trying to figure out. Do you think they were keeping Macklin? Did they think they were keeping Macklin and that informs their ability to let – well, I, I was thinking that when you let Deshaun Jackson go, Jeremy Macklin ascends to the top role in the passing game. I would think that you would make every effort to retain sure, him. right. So the level of continuity, you have a guy that is one of your guys, a guy that thrived in the offense, uh, put up big numbers in that offense. It, To me, it speaks to the level of arrogance that Chip Kelly has that his system is more responsible for their success than the players. And my belief is that this is a player's game. It's a game where coaches need to put players in a position to win. But ultimately, the most talented team typically wins on Sundays, and they win big. I just don't think you can keep losing the level of player that he's losing and think that they're still going to have Well, to I mean, a couple of thoughts. On one hand, I agree with what, with where you're going. It, like in, if you make an NBA analogy, the triangle – 
worked for Phil Jackson because he had Michael Jordan. And Kobe. And exactly. he had the right kind of bigs to run that with Scottie Pippen. And then he has Shaq, in the, who's, who's, who's a nice center to, ru- to, to try and run the triangle with, and Kobe, and, and so on, so they can win those titles. Then you watch Brian Shaw try and implement the triangle in Denver for some reason. Hmm, it doesn't seem to work as well. Eric Fisher. <laughs> you don't have the same guy. everyone but. else that has played on the field, Jackson, it's the same deal. So the, the system. But then again, players. the other side of that coin is – Bill Belichick has a system where he has a bunch of, wait, who's that guy kind of thing going. Hold hold on. He also has maybe the greatest quarterback to play, Tom Brady. You take Tom Brady out and you put those guys that are on the outside, the Julian Edelmans and the Danny Amendolas and Mm -hmm. the Brandon LaFells, they're nice pieces when you have a great quarterback. You put a a, a run-of-the-mill quarterback in, they don't win games like that. I give Bill Belichick a ton of credit for what he was able to do the one year that Matt Castle had to step up. But also, the year that Matt Castle stepped up, he still had Randy Moss and Wes Welker, and he had players at tight end that could make plays. So it is about the players. The one thing that Bill Belichick does is he understands how to maximize the talents of the players that he has. But make no mistake, the Patriots won the Super Bowl this year because their defense was better. Mm-hmm. The reason their defense was better, Darrell Rivas comes over, Brandon Browner comes over, they can now lock people up in man-to-man, they look a lot better. You lose Darrell Rivas, you potentially lose Brandon Browner, the Patriots go back to doing what they normally have done. They'll win the division, but they won't compete for Well, the we don't know in black tie, break in again and let us – oh, you have That's something. something. Not news, but as Drew Brees reacting to the Jimmy Graham trade, he says, I'm as shocked as everyone. I love the guy. I feel bad ah. for him. I feel bad for Breeze. Intrigue. Yeah, Breeze has to be devastated. Hey, I'm 36, Saints. I'm not going to be here forever, guys. Um, So I'm all over the place because there's so many things I want to talk about. So let's get back. Well, you're always all over the place. That's true. Gronkowski, though, I want to pat myself on the back for no good reason other than to pat myself on the back. When the rest of the football world buried the, the Patriots after week four, I announced that they would be fine if Rob Gronkowski came back healthy. And so he did, and they flourished uh, from that point forward. Now there's talk, to bring it full circle, where with the Seahawks and Percy Harvin and injury-prone and all that, but now the buzz is that he might wind up in in, uh, New England. Is he a sufficient replacement? Is he, in fact, an upgrade from what Shane Vereen did for that team? Dynamic player. Understand this. There's a connection between Bill Belichick and Urban Meyer. He, when Urban Meyer was at Florida, he took a lot of Florida players. He likes right, that approach. Right. He likes what he brings to the table. He is probably, if he's going to think about taking Percy Harvin in, he's going to talk to Urban Meyer and see what is the best way for me to maximize what Percy Harvin is. When Percy Harvin was at the University of Florida, he was a do-it-all playmaker. Spent time in the backfield, spent time in the slot, did a lot of creative things. No one consistently – and the National Football League has taken Percy Harvin and put him in a situation where we can fully see all of his talents on display. What we know about New England, they are great at doing what I call situational football. They take guys, they give them a very specific set of tasks that they do, and they only ask them to do that. My vision for Percy Harvin in New England, if he makes, makes that move, he is in essence what Kevin Falk was to them. He is a guy that can come out of the backfield, run option routes. You can displace him, put him in the slot, allow him to work, hand him the ball, give him a couple carries. We saw what they did uh, in the past when they had Aaron Hernandez and they put him in the backfield. Percy Harvin is a smaller, 
more athletic version of what they had with Aaron Hernandez. It has a level of explosiveness to their offense that will create big opportunities, not only for Rob Gronkowski, but for those other guys, Elliman, LaFell, Amendola, because when you put Gronkowski and Hersey Harvin on the same side, you now can double-team both guys. That means other people are one-on-one. It allows the game to be very, very easy for Tom Brady. Boy, and, and, and with all that said, to stay with the Patriots, and then we'll get back to Chip's Eagles, but, you know, it seems to me with all, you know, and I and I can see all that working out for them, and at pick number 32, who knows, maybe Todd Gurley or Melvin Gordon's there, and then that makes them even scarier on offense, but then again, maybe they go D-line, which might be the greater need there. Either way, if with all those virtues – if Revis goes to the Jets or anywhere else, and by the way, there was a rumor going around on Tuesday that the Steelers inquired about Darrell Revis. Hometown. Yeah, well, close that's norm- enough. That's yeah. normally, that's normally uh, out of their pay grade. I know. Can you imagine if Darrell Revis went to the Steelers? They would be the class of the AFC. There's no question about that. It'd, I don't know it'd what they'd have to it'd give be, up. It'd be a different look for them. I, I think one thing I He'd would, be perfect for them. One thing I would give Darrell Revis credit for is I believe he is probably the best businessman when it comes to doing deals Hmm. where a lot of people are looking for long-term deals guaranteed money Darrell Revis understands that in the marketplace the more you go to the table the more money you're likely to make every time he goes up to re-up people have to open up the coffers and pay him a lot of money he is a hired gun I haven't seen anyone do this to this level since Deion Sanders did it when he kind of went from San Francisco to Dallas to finding his way. Darrell Revis has been paid. I think I saw the thing, $80 million that he's made. And he's going to, I think there's a deal on the table for $48 million And keep in mind, he's a cornerback. Yeah. Guaranteed at cornerback. You're talking about being able to get right. $16 million per? That's quarterback money. That's amazing for a guy of his level. It is a, uh-oh. Here we, we go. We are uh, no news, but we are actually dating ourselves here, speculating about Revis in case Revis news breaks. I'm curious because yeah. of how it affects the AFC well, in total. Fine. We'll react to it when it happens, but uh, you know, don't okay. tell me and Bucky our business. Let's talk about the Eagles, but then we'll talk AFC because I feel like if you take Revis away from the Patriots, the AFC becomes awfully fascinating about how you rank it out. In fact. I tweeted out on Tuesday morning, based on free agency, I could change them tonight, in fact. In fact, they would look differently than when the morning started. But I seeded out the teams like I like to do. That's all that matters. This power ranking of pro football is meaningless. We don't play in college football system. We play who wins your division and gets the two wild cards. That's all that matters. Okay, so who are your top six? Colts are the one seed right now. Colts are the one seed. Sure. You don't worry about their defense? Well, I mean, they've upgraded already with Trent Cole. What elimination is, chamber. What is this, happening? This, this is an elimination chamber, guys. Contenders. Early contenders. All right, here we go. So here we go. We got the so Patriots, you, so you say, oh. Seahawks, uh-huh. Colts, and the last team. Oh, I'm struggling for the last team here. Let's go with um, – that's a tough one. There's no definite fourth team. Let's go with the um, – hmm, let's go with the Broncos. Let's see. Oh, well, I well no, Shaq is going to easily eliminate the Broncos. Let's do a Broncos. The Broncos Ele- is fine. They've eliminate been one. Contenders, a perennial contender since 18 got there. How say you, Buck? Who you eliminated from that quartet? Oh, who I eliminate? Yeah. yeah. I'm eliminating the Broncos. Is see, it's easy? confusing uh, whether you eliminate them because they're bad or because no, they're good. I eliminate, eliminate them for this reason. I, I believe their window was last year. Yes. I believe now you talk about an older Peyton Manning. I don't know who the bell cow is at running back. 
I like the receivers on the outside, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, but understand we're now going to a different system. We're going to a West Coast-based offense, a lot of play action, a lot of boot. The tight end. Oh, check that, check that. I'm sorry, definitely not the Colts. Packers is their fourth team. We just did the bro. You don't change it in, in his ch- middle no, of his answer. Black Tiger right. ruining we're going this pass. for us. But we're trying to win Colts, Bucky. Seahawks, we're trying to win Bucky, and Packers. this makes us look like we don't know what we're doing. No, that's Please. too easy. So is, is the Packers who? No, Packers, Seahawks, Colts. Pats. Finish your one. answer on the Broncos. So you basically just went chalk. You went with the division championship. Well, yeah, you got to eliminate one, though. Who's, who's, who's Black tie, please let Bucky finish his answer on the Broncos. So I'm, the Broncos. So it's a different system. So you talk about the, the tight ends being prominent. Understand the big plays that happened to Marius Thomas or whatever. I just don't know without the presence of a dominant running back. I don't know who their running back is going to be. They have to have a presence. And then on defense, new coordinator. Wade Phillips is good, does a great job of making instant turnarounds. I just don't know if they can play at the level they played at the last two years to put them back in the thing, and I don't know if they're physical enough to win these games down the stretch. You have to be a physical team. You have to be built the right way. The fact that Indianapolis was able to come to Maha and knock them around, they did, I just don't know if they're tough enough mm-hmm. to win those gritty games when it counts in the playoffs. Well, and you, th- and, you, and you look at the pieces now. You take Julius Thomas out. He goes down to Jacksonville. He's, yeah, he's fine. Like, he's a nice player, but I think he's replaceable. The fact that they were able to re-sign Virgil Green and they were able to get hmm. Owen Daniels, I, I, I think they're fine because Kubiak does a great job of finding a way to get that tight end position production. The identity, who you are, what you are, are they physical enough to win those uh, street fights and phone booths. And I don't think you can really determine what they are in the regular season because the game is played differently in the regular season. Well, how they're built to How are they the positioned? Because to me, I w- the Pot Roast hasn't left yet, Terrence Knight. The kid from UNC, I can't think of his name. Uh, Sylvester Williams. Uh, Sylvester Williams. Is he ready to jump in there and He should and build be ready. That? He's going into year three. It's time for him to uh, – it's first-round pick. It's time for you to step up and start making contributions. I think if they don't have Pot Roast, they have to put him in. He has to be able to make plays. I think that's – that's not an issue. I, I think it's about their physicality and their toughness. Are they physical enough to deal with those teams and, and I, be there in the end? I know Broncos fans always let me know I'm a big hater of Peyton, a man who I've never met. I hate him. But uh, I, I don't hate him, but I don't think he's ever going to win a Super Bowl again. I've said that for three years now, and I don't think at 39 manage. coming off the injuries, he's very similar to Kobe. I yeah, just think I mean, Yeah, you have to limit his, you have to limit his, his touches and, and how much he really influences the game. A lot of the struggles when you have an older quarterback like that, it's much like the Dan Marino thing in Miami when Jimmy Johnson came in. They're used to being the gunslinger. They're used to being the guy that kind of controls all the shots. Mm -hmm. And when you try to go away from that and you try and make it where it's more of a physical, complimentary football approach, they balk at that. And so it's tough for Peyton Manning to think that I'm going to be a complimentary player at this stage of my career. He still in his mind wants to throw it 30 to 35 times. Which he can do, but he doesn't. Hey, but I'm the sheriff. Hey, uh, Peyton, actually, we're thinking for 2015, we're going to call you the deputy. How about that, <laughs> fella? Um, what about then Haloti Nada's absence? Because to me, and I tweeted this out, and Ravens fans let me know, the defense never dropped off in December. But the eyeball test tells you that he is a major absence for them. I always go back to the Super Bowl against the Niners a couple of years ago. They... Not, the, the Ravens were really doing a dynamite job, as, as good a job as anybody had done against Kaepernick and, uh, and, and Gore and company and shutting down that run until Haloti Nada goes down in the second half of the game. Forget the blackout or whatever, the power going out. The, the, the Nada 
removal from the game, flip that thing uh, uh, upside down, and suddenly they gash that Ravens defense the rest of the way. Now, of course, I know the pieces have changed. I know they have Brandon Williams. I know they have um, Timmy Jernigan. Is that enough to lose Haloti Nada, though? I think what you're gambling on is that Haloti Nada's best days are coming to an end. He may give you a flash this year, but you're willing to bank on, I would rather get rid of a player a year too soon than a year too late. Hmm. So get rid of him. Get the picks, the fourth and the fifth rounders that they acquired back from Detroit. Hopefully put your young guys on the field. You talk about Jernigan and Brandon Williams being able to get on the field. Continue to build your defense up. They may not be what they were a season ago when Haloti Nada was healthy, but they've proven time and time again. That defense finds a way to kind of always stay relevant. I'm just a believer that they'll find a way to continue to compete in the AFC North just because that's what they do. That's what they've always done. That defense kind of makes it happen. I know, but that always feels like smoke and mirrors to me. Well, that defense is always good, so why wouldn't it continue to be? Because those because pieces, the standard is the standard. I like, hear you. You always hear Mike Tomlin talk about that. The standard never changes. The standard in that defensive meeting room is that they expect to dominate. And regardless of the players that are there, whether Ray Lewis or Ed Reed or great guys move on, they still believe that they're the Ravens and they're going to play a certain way. And so, yes, he'll be missed. Yeah, but my res- my response there. to that is the Steelers felt the exact same way. Their arch rival felt the same way. Standard is the standard, all that. But you realize that that is founded somewhat on sand. As soon as you remove Casey Hampton out of that anchor spot right there in the 3-4, that defense became pedestrian. And I wonder if that is, is – uh, It can be the case because I told you. We talked about it earlier when we were talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. It's about your players. We can talk about scheme and, and uh, the, the, the talking and slogans and all that. It comes down to players. You have to have talent to win games consistently in the league. Part of the reason I worry about Philly, they've lost a lot of players. And even though the scheme fits and the scheme puts you in a bind defensively, without dudes that can exploit it, it makes it tough because it won't matter in the regular season. They'll still win 10 games. They'll still score a lot of points. But when you have to have it against good teams in the playoffs where defensive coordinators are really honing in on what you do, you have to have a guy that can win against another elite player. And when I look at this team now, I don't know who that guy is. I don't know who the guy you turn to under pressure, I need a play. Who is that player? If we're saying it's Darren Sproles entering into year 11, I don't know if you can bank on him to be that guy. Um who else? Who, who's your dominant player? Like, well, I don't they, see the blue player. Well, what do you think you they're going to do? Because I advance this uh, this little uh, theory to the green room, like I mentioned, all those uh, all those ball players sitting down in there, as well as Jeremiah. And Mike Silver walked into the room. I said, you watch Chip Kelly do this now with uh, Sam Bradford now in the fold. I think he still wants Mariota, so why not now? Take because I was under the impression mm-hmm. at least a month or two ago the Jets had interest in Sam Bradford. That seems more Jetsy to me. Maybe what you do is Chip Kelly packages some other stuff and their draft pick to move up and Sam Bradford to move up to six and and uh, thereby they get Marcus Mariota. Mike Silver walked in. And he said, "Let me disabuse you of the idea that the Jets want." Sam Bradford, they absolutely do not. I don't know if that's a Todd Bowles thing or what it is. That sort of makes sense since he saw Sam Bradford up close, did Bowles. It's also not Chan Gailey's type quarterback. If you look at what Chan Gailey likes to play with, he likes to play with an athletic quarterback that is more in the mold of a Marcus Mariota. Uh, Going all the way back to his time in Pittsburgh, you saw what he did 
with Slash and Cordell Stewart. You've seen him always tinker with the notion of an athletic quarterback doing some unique things from college. He actually introduced the National Football League to the pistol in Kansas City when he was an offensive coordinator with Mm -hmm. Tyler Thigpen running a version of the pistol. Go and look at the work that he did in Buffalo. Even though Ryan Fitzpatrick isn't an athletic guy, it's a quick rhythm thrower that makes good decisions. You get the ball out of his hands, you can have success. He's looking for a guy that can be an athletic guy. And it may be the guy that they already have. I know we've already poured dirt on Geno Smith after two years, but he is more in line with the quarterbacks that Chan Gailey traditionally likes to play with than some of the other guys that have been mentioned in that capacity. And with the Marcus Mariota and the Philadelphia thing, I don't believe this move would preclude or prevent Chip Kelly from making a move to get Marcus Mariota. Everyone who has seen Marcus says that he's a developmental guy. You want to put him on the sideline, let him acclimate, take his time getting into the league. You have that opportunity because you would have Sam Bradford in the building, Mark Sanchez, and then Marcus Mariota. You don't have to worry about getting him up to snuff. Yeah, that's a a really interesting thought because if – Bradford, what it basically would buy you is the insurance to say, we Bradford, wow, what a gangbusters 2015. All right, we ink him now for a long-term deal. And if he doesn't work out, then like you say, he serves as a placeholder for this season, and then you turn things over to the kid. But as it is, bottom line is, you don't like these moves, clearly, made by I don't Jim like Kelly. those moves. I think the Sam Bradford move could actually be good. And yeah. here's why, because you've got to dig deeper. got to dig deeper. Just don't look at the surface. Sam Bradford, on the show, Sam Bradford was Offensive Rookie of the Year. Do you know who his offense coordinator was? Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer is the offense coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. So ah. when you think about players, you want to build it around the players. Chip Kelly and Pat Shermer had the discussion, what can Sam Bradford do if we have him? How can we evolve our offense? Maybe their offense moves a little bit away from the spread and is more West Coast offense because when you really look down, they do a lot of little concepts to have um, pieces of the West Coast offense in place. Maybe they do more of that with Sam Bradford. They're not going to be able to run the zone read with Sam, but understand, he played in the spread system at Oklahoma. So the transition hmm. and the experience that he has running a, in a spread offense at Oklahoma, which was the air raid, which is more of the old Hal Mummy, uh, Mike Leach system that they did at Texas Tech and now he's doing it at Washington State, plus what he did his rookie year in the West Coast, they can blend those things together and give Philly a unique offense. I just don't like the personnel that he has to do it with. If they had big-time players on the outside, I'll feel better about Sam Bradford being successful in Philly. I just don't like the personnel. Uh-oh, yes. So let's just say DDFP looking to trade Bucky Brooks, looking to trade for Bucky Brooks with Dave Damashek. It's a bad – see, he thinks he's funny. That's – you see, I mean, yeah, Bucky, what do I have to do? Like, actually, check that. They're looking to release he, Dave Damashek and <laughs> podcast for agent Bucky Brooks. It's not, it's not making your, your D-plus joke uh, any better. It's not even a C-minus. No, no. It's not good. Bucky doesn't. What kind of show would the DDFP be without me here? Bucky's the host of it. Hey, welcome to Dave Damashek Football Program. I'm your host. Uh, uh, <laughs> weird show. Makes no sense. Just ignore that that happened. Now, Bucky, what about the – so Sue is gone. Detroit has a, you know, really nice big bounce back season. Everybody thinks about what happened in Dallas there, you know, in the playoffs. But can this team now stay relevant in the NFC North with, like you say, even if it's just for one year with Haloti Nada there? Yeah, because this is why it works. You know, we, we the big thing with all the moves that we're seeing – 
there's a level of familiarity with the players. Someone on the coaching staff has a connection with the players. Terrell Austin was a defensive back coach in Baltimore. Mm. He knows exactly what Haloti Nada brings to the table. I was at Arizona State's Pro Day on Friday, and off the record he told me that, look, if we lose Ndamukong Sue, if we lose Nick Fairley, if I have to, I can go back to running some of the 3-4 defense that we ran in Baltimore. So he said it's about the personnel that I have. So whatever we have, we can make it work. Well, now he gets a piece that he knows, that is very familiar with what they did in Baltimore. He could say, okay, guys, this is what we do. We'll tweak and mix in some of the stuff that we did in Baltimore. We'll have a hybrid 3-4, 4-3 look, depending on down the situation. Because in essence, really, you play 70% of your game in nickel package, a four-man front, get after the passer. Terrell Lawson will take Haloti Nada. He'll use him to replace Ndamukong Sue, but he also will use him to advance some of the things they did defensively from a schematic standpoint. All right, let's rank it out here. Oh, by the way, to get back to where uh, where, ranking. where I started 15 minutes yeah. ago. Right. Culture, your one seat. Okay. I'll keep the Patriots at two. All right. But I do, I, as I have said a million times, and I'll say for the million and first, the greatest thing that Tom Brady and Peyton Manning have ever had going for them in their NFL careers is that they're in two bum divisions. They've always they have benefited inordinately from the crummy divisions that they played in. The Jets were good a little bit there and the yeah, the Dolphins won a division or two. But for the most part, Brady has been able to dominate. Do you think that the Dolphins or and or the Jets and or the Bills or the collective, if they all upgrade a little bit, then that indicates that the Patriots have to come back a little bit. Will any of those scenarios that I just uh, threw out at you happen? The Buffalo Bills are a scary team for the New England Patriots. And the reason they're a scary team is because Rex Ryan has always played New England tougher than anybody else has played them. Right. With the exception of even the Baltimore Ravens. He, uh, I mean, uh, I'm talking about a, a underachieving, a not-talented Jets team took the Patriots to the wire twice last year. You've now given him an upgraded defense with corners on the outside. You've added some explosiveness in terms of bringing Shady in. Greg Roman comes in, and I know people are going to really uh, dog him out because of the lack of success they had that last year in San Francisco. But go back and look at when the San Francisco 49ers were rolling those first three years. They ran it down your throat. He has an offensive coordinator who also spent time with him in Baltimore. They know how they want to play. They have an identity that they want to use. They want to be a smash-mouth football team that's relying upon a ground-and-pound, run-it-at-all-cost offense, a physical defense that gives you a lot of problems. They have the pieces in place. And I know everyone is going to talk about the quarterback, whether it be E.J. Manuel or Matt Castle. All he has to do is drive the bus. The defense is going to carry the water. They're going to run the ball a ton. And then they have explosive playmakers in Sammy Watkins, and Robert Woods to make plays over top. I like Buffalo. I also like what Miami's doing. I think that defense can be a top five defense with Ndamukong and Sue. You now put – And like two or three other guys. That's all they're going to be able to afford. They're only going to have Sue and like a couple spare – Cameron Wake – I know that. Olivier Vernon. But they have kicked some guys. They have had to kick a bunch of guys to the curb. They kicked Mike Wallace off, but Mike Wallace could run one route. Go. Philip Wheeler, Brian Hartline. But what did those guys really do? They didn't really do anything. And that offense, remember, Bill Lazor comes from Chip Kelly. He doesn't think it's the players. He thinks it's his system. So in their mind, they think they can plug and play. The bigger thing is they're committed to put talent on defense. We talk all the time about it's a pass-happy league. It's about the quarterback. Yeah, it's the quarterback with the best defense that wins the title. 
That's what happens. The quarterback with the best defense. Tom Brady is celebrated as the greatest ever because they won the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl because their defense made a play. It's the defense. So in Miami, they now have a defense in place that can challenge those guys. It'll give them an opportunity. The Patriots are still the class of the division, but Buffalo and Miami have certainly closed the gap. And I think of those two teams, I'm willing to lean more towards Buffalo challenging the Patriots than the Dolphins. As far as that goes, and I said this on last one of uh, last week's podcasts, and I, and I said it to Maurice Jones-Drew in the green room, and I bring that up because I'm a name dropper, but also because I wanted to tell you his response. I have been saying NFL running backs better be rooting hard for Shady to have a big year, and Marshawn Lynch for that matter as well, and DeMarco Murray wherever he lands. Because if you're going to pay, if the premise is, all right, this guy's now in his second second contract or his third deal, um, and you're going to have to pay him 10 or $12 million, you know, this ain't the quarterback spot. The quarterback spot – I get the whole thing. Experience, you can't just grow. They're not just growing on trees. Yeah. I know Marshawn Lynch doesn't grow. But MJD yeah. jumped down my throat. I said, he should. I said, Shady McCoy, if he has a bum year in Buffalo, then it, it is going to further drive GMs away from paying that kind of dollar to a running back. Better, that position is suited. What, no matter how cruel it is and heartless it is, in the NFL, listen, give me the 22-year-old guy with the fresh legs. I don't What deeds Marshawn Lynch has accomplished in the NFL aren't really applicable at that position. It doesn't matter what he's been through it. So what? It's a running back position. You want fresh legs. You don't need experience. Uh, a little bit. How did that work when Pittsburgh went to Amos Zeraway? All right, well, he wasn't good. Right. That's not the oh, point. Oh, we fresh legs. We put famous Amos in. We will let nah. That's how that don't you use my argument. Get would, would you rather you have, have Levy have and Would you rather have Levy and Bell right now or Marshawn Lynch? How about that? Or Eddie Lacy and Marshawn Lynch? Oh, or Marshawn Lynch? Marshawn Lynch over Eddie Lacy for one year? Absolutely. For for one year. Marshawn Lynch, you... Marshawn Lynch is a special player. Yeah, like, he's but but Marshawn right. Lynch, I, I have one. Even year. Steven, if you put them on a scale, they're even. Oh. But. No, no, I agree. Eddie Lacy and Marshawn. No, no, no. Let me clarify what I'm saying. Marshawn Lynch, yes, is better than Eddie Lacy is. Yeah. But is he? Well, I'm trying to. I, I'm not sure what Eddie Lacy makes. Eight hundred thousand a year. Uh, yeah, I mean he, he is, but, but so is he? Is he? Is he nine plus million more valuable? Wouldn't the Seahawks be better served? No. Taking that money and okay. giving it to Todd Gurley. Okay, I asked this question. And MJD, so again, no, no, no. MJD jumped down my throat. Yeah, he said, "Are you crazy? You you're, think you're Todd Gurley is going to be as good as Marshawn Lynch?" We don't know. It's an unknown. It's the right. X factor. We don't know what he is. But this is what I do know. I know whenever Seattle's in trouble, who is the guy that gets the ball? Marshawn Lynch. Not only as a runner, when they were down two-minute drill against Green Bay, where did the passes go? Marshawn Lynch. Super Bowl last drive. They got to get it. Marshawn Lynch not only touches it as a runner, a sluggo first play, slant and go over the top. Marshawn Lynch is not one of those guys that everyone talks about, and it drives me crazy. And here's why it drives me crazy, because in this industry, in this specter, we have so many former quarterbacks driving the narrative because they're on TV. Oh, ah, it's the quarterback. It's this. Yeah. And, oh, you got to put it on the quarterback, blah, 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 blah. The only handful of elite quarterbacks. Well, guess what? All the elite quarterbacks are the old guys that hang around. No young quarterback. We have more training for quarterbacks than ever. Private coaches, seven-on-seven, spread opportunities, yet we still only have four elite quarterbacks in the National Football League. So I'm saying that most teams would be better served to build your team unless you have one of those four guys. 
Your team has to be built to play complementary football. Great defense, strong running game. You look at the playoffs, I want to say six of the top ten rushes were in the playoffs. If not that, it may have been more, just off the top of my head. The running back is, is devalued on draft day, but it's not diminished in importance. You have to have a dude to be able to make it happen. Le'Veon Bell, we wiped him off the field, Pittsburgh. That great Ben Roethlisberger and that Pittsburgh Steelers offense look different. You gotta have a. I, but that's a, but Ad's yelling at me, and now you're 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 raw as well, and that's my point. Look, I think you point? do need. I what's think you want a great running back. Yeah, but they are easier to come by. Oh. Well, no. I mean, I, what what do you they're, mean? They're no. not. They're not easier to come by. How about this? Duke just Johnson out is Duke Johnson is Duke Johnson going to be Johnson. a good running back? I love Duke Johnson. How about but, Melvin Gordon? I like Melvin Gordon, but I don't know if those guys are going to do what those other guys have. Just because a guy is like people think that it's so easy to oh we just plug him in and we'll do that as part of the the arrogance that Denver had when Shanahan was there. Like oh it's not Terrell, it's our system. No, it's the player, not the system. Players make plays. Players make it happen. Good coaches find a way to put players in a position. I have said. I have said it. as much as anybody over is. the last three no, years. I, but no, you're just I, saying like, oh, I get a running back. I just draft one. No, I get a guy. I, I am not in. okay. Ah. I maybe that sounded glib. No, but my point player. is, my point is this: that I, I, listen, I'm, I've said this for uh, the last few years. All this noise about who's the elite QB and that, oh, do you it need an noise. elite QB it's and all noise. that kind of stuff. It's noise. The teams, like you say, I am in lockstep with you on this. Look at the teams. Forget all the noise and look at the teams that are in the final four year after year. Like you say, the Niners at their best were playing dominant defense and pounding you on offense. Same goes for their arch rival. For the better part of the 21st century, that is why the Ravens and Steelers have been relevant. It's not because they're slinging the ball all over the place. The Patriots are a little bit of an anomaly. They can run uh, the ball, but they mix and match they in the mix backfield. And, and that's fine, but they became the Super Bowl winner when the defense returned that's to the level. I've, it was I, the early thousand level. Get out of love. I know you're in love with uh, Russell Wilson and Bucky Brooks now, apparently. But <laughs> get out of lose. Take your eyes off of Bucky for one second and and agree with me. How many times have I said that? Don't I say all the time? I wasn't listening. I know what you said. All right, listen, <laughs> I I say all the time that that's what it's about. That the Patriots defense that they can't win a Super Bowl with that defense and Belichick until even, they fix the defense and then they- even go all the way back. See, because I think this is the important point. Uh, with the Patriots and, and how we talk about the elite quarterback and all of that. The Patriots won three out of four Super Bowls. Their receivers, David Givens, yes. Troy Brown, David Patton, guys, no disrespect to those guys that played in the league, but just guys. <laughs> this year they win the Super yes. Bowl with Danny Amendola, Julian Edelman, and Brandon LaFell. If we were picking guys on the street ball, to though. play, pick up. Are any of those guys going to be Jill, the first Jill, guys that we Jill pick? Is a baller, though. Who is? Julian Edelman. If I Julian Edelman were on the on the Tennessee Titans. You're, by, you're, you're eating the cheese. You're falling for the narrative. So he ridiculous. averaged 10 yards a catch. 10 yards a catch. That's it. That's not a dude. He's a nice player who plays in a nice system with a great quarterback. When we're talking about dudes, imagine if Antonio Brown was in that system. What would Antonio Brown do? But here's the beauty of the Patriots. When they've had better players on offense on the outside, 
they weren't able to win it because the money was tied up on ah, both guys. Ah, but if we go back and a half defense, hour ago, that gets back defense, to what I said to you. And the as defense the, wasn't there. I, I, all right, but the Chip Kelly factor that I said, like it's not just the system, that get that kind of pays off the point that I made is that I agree with you that the triangle only works with top-tier players. Mm-hmm. Belichick is a bit of an anomaly, though, that he has had success. Not mm-hmm. Super Bowl winners, but, you know, relevant teams at Great the very least. Maybe the greatest quarterback to ever play. By the way, MJD said that it's funny how much you should go catch up with him, in fact. Did you play with him? No, no, no. no. Oh, no, I yeah. Scouted you, him, I scouted him when he was at UCLA, though. Um, nice fella to kibitz with, and um, although he, well, like I say, was cross with me about this. Yeah, uh, because my, everyone did. All I'm saying is that I'm not devaluing it at all. You need to have – it is not disrespectful so in the, the least – Speaking of running backs, we have one coming through the building right now, Justin Forsett. All right, he'll come in in a minute. Yeah. I'm not done yet. Well, hold on one second. I love how I've used, uh, haven't used the interruption yet for any breaking news. Nothing has happened? How is yeah. this possible? It's uh, been fast and furious. A few guys are visiting, like Tremont Williams visiting the Saints. Um, the Colts agreed to terms with Kendall Langford, but nothing huge. Nothing. Did Andre Johnson sign? No, not officially. Not yet, no. I mean, that goes – oh, so to continue, the Steelers are my third seed mm-hmm. now. I think they now clearly, to me, feel like the cl- – it could change if, if Andre Johnson signs with the Ravens tonight. But short of that, the Steelers are the best team in the AFC North right now. Yes. You're gonna that's roll the type of fan I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be that guy who is just, you know – I, I can agree with that. I think that's I think that's a solid That's point. an absurd charge that I'm Le'Veon, being a home. Le'Veon Bill, Big Ben – A.B., Antonio Brown. There's Davis Bryant, yeah, Marcus good. Wheaton. I Defense mean, should be better. they got to find talented they gotta, offensive they gotta line. they got to shore up the cornerback spot. Absolutely. But yeah, they're better than everyone else. And that well, I still give them the nod over Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and that's not me being a homer because since I apparently have to remind you, Black Tie, I have called the Steelers record three straight years accurately. I mean, what more do I need to do? You also say, you also say Jay Cutler would, would be the MVP. All right, well, that's not uh, that's, that's not okay. relevant I've, here. I've I've gone on that. I thought he would do. I thought he would have Eesh. a better. But so uh, MJ did. My, just to make sure, my point. MJ did. What what did he say? The dollar is what I am talking about. That if Shady McCoy and Demarco Murray, wherever he goes, if these guys don't deliver ten ma- ten ten million dollars worth of value. It is only going to further drive GMs from devoting that percentage of the cap dollars they have to the running back spot if, in, if as this is happening to these slightly older backs. And, you know, it's a different standard. Quarterbacks can be good in year 12, year 15. That just isn't the case with running backs. They have a shorter shelf life. If Melvin Gordon and Todd Gurley well, and Duke Johnson years? deliver, okay. if they deliver for $800,000, GMs will say, let's get one of those guys and not uh, devote that kind of money no, and, and, and to one of these superstar running backs. There's some truth to that. I, I, I say it. It's not that they're, they're not valuable. You want that if, you're going, if you want to win the Super Bowl. You need a, a great ideally, runner. Ideally, from a front office standpoint, draft a good running back early. Ride him into the ground. That's all. I'm and then saying. the year before his rookie contract expires, draft another one. That's exactly right. And, and yet you and MJD and both get angry with me when we're making uh, all the exact uh, same point. However, when you have a guy that is a guy, you don't let those guys walk. It's only a handful of special running backs in the league. Everyone just can't run up there, put the pads on, and say, "Oh, I'm a great running back." When you have those guys, the Jamal Charles, the Shady McCoys, the Arian Fosters. 
uh, Adrian Peterson when he's available. Um, you pay those guys because those guys set the tone for your team, especially if you don't have a quarterback. And th- I'm not alone in this. I-, I-, I will say this. Bill Polian, when he was building the Indianapolis Colts and when they were at their best, Edron James was in the backfield. And I know they didn't win the Super Bowl with Edron James. They ended up winning it with Joseph Adai having to do it. And Dominic Rhodes. Dominic Rhodes was the real but, Super Bowl MVP that game. But you have to have that guy behind the quarterback because he changes how defensive coordinators think. When you have a legitimate running back, it makes you change your play call. So that's why running backs devalued on draft day, not diminishing importance. I, so on that count, we agree. Last couple of things real fast. MJD, so he said, there are only four game-changing quarterbacks in the NFL. Basically, like you just said, I said, well, who are those four in your mind? I think this is an interesting time for the quarterback spot. Name yours, Bucky. Who are these four people you're thinking of? Tom Brady is one. Aaron Rodgers is two. Tom Brady. Who else? Rodgers. You're not putting Peyton in there, are you? No. Uh, I would say Drew Brees is still the guy. Such a Peyton hater, that guy. How dare you, Bucky? Philip Rivers. Those are your four. I mean, I, Drew Brees and Philip Rivers. You're the one who said there are only four elite QBs. Ben Roethlisberger is always on the line. He's not on any line. He's across it. He's in the end zone celebrating no, Super I, I Bowl like victories. He's, he is. The first time because he was a great handoff guy. Second time because he made plays. Third time when they went against Green Bay, he was okay. He didn't have – when they won the Super Bowl, and Ben Roethlisberger himself uh, told me this. Uh, Let me just tell you something. The ball off. No, he didn't. Fast Willie Parker. Psh, 74 yards. I, that was in the Super Bowl the against Seattle. The best pass. Yeah, when they won it. Right. He was starting quarterback. You know how they got there, though. They had to, they, they didn't just kiss them in after the regular season. There were playoff games they had to win. I, I, I do know that. They went into Indianapolis but, and but, beat but, that team. Yeah, then they went to Denver also, and also, dominated them, and Roethlisberger was dynamite in those He was games. dynamite, but you know what he was on? A pitch count. There was a time with Ben Roethlisberger, anytime he threw the ball more than 25 times, the Steelers lost. Keep him on a pitch count. You know why you keep him on a pitch count? Because he's not the driving force of how they played when they were playing at their best. Run it, defense, don't mess it up, quarterback. Make plays when it comes. That's why. So we talk about these quarterbacks and throwing it and doing all that. It's not about them. Bucky's a big Ben hater, apparently. No, sorry. No, I I kid. But also, and so you don't put Andrew Luck in that no. In that group yet. No, because I think we've given him. I know you have. I, I love yet. I love your thoughts on him, everybody. But if you give him now, to your point, Frank Gore and Andre Johnson and T.Y. Hilton, is that and, and those uh, tight ends that then, they have? Then, then we'll talk about it. But we've given we've kind of given him the hall pass to say he's elite. This too, too, not yet. Not Russell Wilson either. No, because it's still dependent upon Marshawn Lynch. All right, just to finish it then. So it goes. in uh, Right now, it could change in three minutes if if uh, – if, um, if uh, Black Tie hits the the uh, the ringer there, but it goes right now for me in the AFC: Colts one, mm-hmm. Patriots two, Steelers three, and what division am I thinking? West, the Chargers. I think the Chargers are the class of the West. Because they had the great field Rivers. Shaq also picked the Chargers last season. So what? So I was a year premature on that. I still think they're a good team, and I think they got uh, some especially bad. I think they have some especially bad luck in 2014 in terms of injuries, but I think that that's a good team. And don't, you watch this, Bucky. We talk about those those rookie runners coming out. You watch. They're going to they're going to take either Todd Gurley or Melvin Gordon. I think it'd be great. That's Dave's big prediction for uh, for the first round with the Charger. They get that with what they have in uh, the passing game. They're going to be good. Then your five seed is. 
the Houston Texans. I'm big on Ryan Mallett, and I don't care what anyone else has to say about it. They'll get another receiver in the draft, if not free agency. That offense is going to match the defense. They're going to be ready to roll. They're dangerous in 2015. They're going to be in the top three teams in the AFC. If the Patriots don't keep Revis, the three best teams, Colts, Texans, Pittsburgh, those are your three best teams in the AFC if that happens. You're going to have to come back because we're going to have to fight over that. We're going to have to fight over just giving. And I forget my other one. I'm going to have to come back. Who's my other team in the in the six-seed black guy? I tweeted. Buffalo? It's Buffalo. That's exactly who it is. Thank you. I like Buffalo as my six-seed. You should. Yeah. So there you go. So we agreed for the most part. Don't get angry at me, Bucky. You know, I, I agree with you. And I want, but that, don't you see that heat? Everybody, did, is that what you want out of life? Do you want to go into a studio with Dan Hanzus and whatever the other people's names are on that show? Like, you don't want that, Bucky. You want somebody who challenges you intellectually. That's what I give you, you know? You do, you do. You feel that way? I do feel that way. I don't know if I buy the, the okay. tone of your voice, but anyway, all right. The great Bucky Brooks. He is a podcast free agent, and I think we made great strides towards securing his services long term. Fingers crossed on that one. Great to see you, and it's at Bucky Brooks is how you track him down. This is a wise move, not just in free agency, but as the draft draws closer and closer, there is no one better to follow than Bucky. He has watched all these players over and over and again, so you don't have to. Bucky Brooks, now you depart Studio 66. Here comes Justin Forsett. Dave, damn a shit. Well, it is among the most exciting weeks in the NFL. Free agency week. And look who's joining us here in Studio 66. Maximum strength. One of the most coveted free agent running backs. That's right. You hear that thunder going. There he is. He made a lot of thunder and lightning in 2014 for the Baltimore Ravens. It's Justin Forsett. What's the poop, fella? (laughs) What's happening? Well, nothing, and, uh, you know, I'm going to say hello to you now because my producer, Black Tie, he takes care of all the details. I have some questions written down here. One of them is, say hello to Justin. I'm glad that he – see? it's that He's detail-oriented. Yes. It's very nice of him Eat to that. do. Well, what, you know, even before free agency arrived here, Justin Forsett, a winner because you just had uh, your second little boy, huh? Yes. Congratulations Thank to you. Thank you. Thank you. It was uh... – it was a crazy experience. Uh, we had him on Valentine's Day in the midst of a snowstorm on our way to a Lauryn Hill concert. And wow. I thought I was going to have to uh, deliver the baby, but uh, it all worked out. <laughs> like in a sitcom in the back of a cab or something. Exactly. I was ready to catch him. Well, uh, so, yeah, you're pretty well. Do you talk about uh, traveling to a show? You're pretty well traveled, obviously. People know that. Anybody who follows the NFL knows you've bounced around and really had a, a terrific breakout last season. With those Ravens, real quick, free agency is going. How many teams have called you? Uh, we've had a handful of teams called us uh, interested in my services, so we'll see. I want this. If you get a call in the next few minutes here in Studio 66, I don't want you to feel like, ah, oh, it'd be rude for me to take a call. Quite the opposite, Justin really? Morissette. <laughs> take the call. Let's, In fact, we'll put it through the board to black tie. Let's negotiate the thing. Let me shepherd the deal for <laughs> okay. you. I'd like to help you, Justin Forsett. What kind of percentage are we talking? Uh, you know what? 
the pleasure will be you landing in the right oh, spot. Oh, okay. Probably. You know, I don't yeah. need anything. All right. And also $100,000. All right. <laughs> um, all right. Let's, uh, let's uh, kibitz here then. And I mentioned you've been around the league quite a bit here, more than most guys have. Take a look here. In fact, at how many stops Justin Forsett has already made in his NFL career. We'll have that up for you in just a second here. Oh, there we go. Here, look at all the teams there. Yep. Let's hash through that. So you Seahawks, a little bit of time in Indy, the Texans, the Jags, and the Ravens. The first thing that jumps out at me, Justin Forsett, is you haven't exactly been dealt the best hand in the uniform department. The Colts <laughs> is pretty good, but the other ones, I don't know. I like that. I like the Baltimore one. I even like the Jags one. It's pretty – I like that color. No, incorrect. You don't like that one? No, no, no. That's no good. That's a, that, you like the Jacksonville one? Yeah. It wasn't a great time there, but it was – you know, the uniform color is is pretty sweet. Wait, do you, wore the, you wore the two-tone helmets. Yep. The one that looks like a melted Rolo in the back of a hot car or something, right? <laughs> yeah, that was it. All right, so you've been around. What was your favorite city as a person, not as a football player, not organization or anything, but what city was the most fun to hang around in? I mean, I'm a country boy from the south, so Houston was uh, pretty cool. Even though I'm from Florida, but Houston, I mean, it was a big city. Uh -huh. It was still had that little mixture of country and city life, So, and the food was amazing. That's what I always hear about Houston. You got to go down there and check out the food. It's second to none. So, all right, I'll do that. Next, though, let's go to where you were, 2008, Indianapolis at the Combine. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed online, it's a big thing now. Tell your younger self something. Give your younger self some advice. What would this Justin Forsett of 2015 say to that kid? What, what advice or, or insight could you provide him? Uh, be patient. It all it all works out. Don't that's, stop fighting. That's a good that's a good uh, point. And I see you in those California shorts there. Oh, yeah. Man, oh man, so many good running backs in the 21st century have come out of Cal Berkeley for some reason. Why is that? Running back, you man. Uh, we do a great job of I guess recruiting and uh, especially time I was there, our running back coach was like you know one of the elite coaches around and. Uh, Produce a lot of great backs. Yeah, I mean, legitimately, how many guys from while well, you were at Cal? I mean, there were probably six guys that spent a little bit of time in the NFL. Javid Best was uh, was around at some point with you, right? Uh, uh, we had Javid Best, Shane Vereen, Marshawn Lynch, uh, JJ Arrington, uh, Joe Echimandu. Uh, we had a couple guys. What do you think? All right, let's just bounce around on those guys, and uh, we'll start off with uh, with Beast Mode there. Talk to me about uh, about Beast Mode, because he doesn't obviously talk a ton with the media. What can you tell me about him that most people don't know? He's a big kid, man. He likes to joke all the time. If you really want, like, uh, you know, a serious conversation 24-7, that's not him. You know, he's joking around. We're laughing most of the time we're together. Um, and uh, when, when you got to hang out with him in Seattle, mm -hmm. that was a pretty juicy time in your life, I imagine, to go from Cal together and um, you wind up spending your time in Seattle there. Then you leave, though, and you go to, like, ja I say Jacksonville and Baltimore. What was it like then to watch your old team break out? sort of over the last what three years or so after you is that are you are you conflicted man i wish i would have hung around there or do you just feel pleasure for marshawn and company yeah i really thought they were going to tank after they let me go uh, <laughs> that's uh, the right frame <laughs> of mind you root against the team right after you after you leave them but uh you know 
I knew that they had a lot of great players over there, so I wasn't surprised that they were doing well. Of course, I was rooting on, you know, rooting them to have success with, you know, Marshawn is like a brother to me. Mm -hmm. you know, I like a lot of guys, a lot of coaches I'm close with over there, so I was happy for him. When you do bounce around in the fashion you have, it always occurs to me, you know, as opposed to the NBA, you could get traded on a Tuesday and be in uniform on Wednesday and probably not skip a beat. You get your it's an individual sport. How do you how how big a pain is it to learn a playbook every year? I because to me, when you see it, you just think, all right, I'll do that once. I'll do that once for you every ten years, but don't ask me to do it every year. How bad is it? Yeah, it's, I mean, it can be tough. Uh, I think actually every year I've been in the NFL. I've had a different offensive coordinator. Uh. So I've never had a back-to-back -back season where I could just rest like, oh, okay, yeah, I know this one, and then there's nothing new going in. But, you know, I've always had to learn something. You know, it can be tough. But thankfully, the last couple of years, um, you know, I've been all in West Coast systems. So the terminology is really, really basically the same and, you know, in a smooth transition. I don't understand why we, the first highlight we see of Justin Forsett is him beating my Steelers in the playoffs. That I don't care for. You're He's a ever responsible. Fan? That's right, I'm a Steelers fan. And I didn't like – I don't know what that's about. You got the better of me this year, and I didn't like that one bit. Can I get up? Is it too late to <laughs> – And that's the uniform you like? The black pants? Come on, that's not – It's good. even better when it's in Pittsburgh. No, I didn't think so at all. <laughs> I thought it was, in fact, don't you feel bad for disappointing all those people? They they go out into the cold of January. Terrible they went out. They sat there for four or five hours, and you send them home sad? Don't you feel bad about that? Not one bit. All right, fine. <laughs> fine. Um, who is the more fun teammate? Because like you mentioned, uh, uh, Marshawn Lynch, if nothing else, seems like a hoot to be around. Mm -hmm. Who's more fun, him or Steve Smith? Because we've had a lot of good conversations oh. over the years with Steve Smith in here. Oh, man. I've had a lot of time, you know, being – Marshawn was a groomsman at my wedding. So, hmm. a lot of time with him. I would say uh, he's he's pretty good. But Steve Smith is unlike anybody I've ever been around. He is intense. Uh, but just a great guy, man. You know, he's in the locker room. You see this intense guy on the field. You know, working hard, ripping guys' heads off, but you know, then he's you know sitting in his locker on you know Skype, Skype with his kids, you know, talking with his feet up, and you know, he's just a great guy to be around too. Boy, no one loves his family as uh, more than Steve Smith oh, does, man. man. He loves uh, the wife and those kids. Yeah, he talks about them nonstop, but. Yeah. Then again, he's also the one out there telling everybody to ice up. Yeah, he seems like that's the dichotomy of an NFL football player, huh? Ice up, son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. A, he's a hoot. Now, another wide receiver who now leaves the Baltimore Ravens. Yes. Let's just get, since that's uh, where you're closest to, some of your thoughts. Torrey Smith moves across the country now to San Francisco. What uh, What the, are, are the Niners getting in number 82 there? Great player, but most importantly, a great man. I mean, he's going to be uh, great for that locker room. I know they got a lot of uh, got missing pieces over mm -hmm. there now with some retirements, maybe some injuries, but just a guy that's going to work hard. He's going to be great in the community. He's going to be great in that locker room. Uh, he's one of those good guys in this league, and uh, it's hard to find uh, a top-notch guy like that on off the field. You know, one knock I have against him is that uh, he's not a great singer. <laughs> I found that out uh, around the holidays uh, back at uh, the end of last year. Yeah, I wouldn't say that was your strong suit. What do you think about Haloti Nada moving on from Baltimore? was a shocker. Yeah, right? It was a shocker. Um I've seen a lot of things in this league, but uh you know, to hear that news that was that was kind of uh shocking to me. But uh it is a business. 
And do you, I mean, legitimately, are does Steve Smith come to you when he gets into the Baltimore locker room or Haloti Nod or Tori, are any of these guys saying, listen, you've been through it, you know what this is like, what is the experience of going to a new team? What advice do you give to anybody who's doing that? Uh, for me personally, what I give? Yeah. Um, I mean, try to uh, build relationships. You know, it makes the process uh, a lot more smoother going in because, I mean, being in different cities, being in new people, uh, new grocery stores, uh, new housing. Like you want to be able to build those relationships fast, so they can show you around, and you can know you can uh, that transition will be a lot easier. But uh, it's good when you have veterans like that in our locker room. Like we have uh, a Sizz and you know Steve Smith and Joe Flacco uh, that you know are approachable. You know, when I came in the NFL, it was like when you see guys like that. You know, you don't talk to those guys. You just acknowledge them, and you know, you keep walking. I had Walter Jones in the locker room. It was known that okay, you just don't, you don't go up and you don't spark a conversation with Walter hmm. Jones. You let him come to you. So, uh, you know, it's good to have those guys around the locker room. <laughs> I love that story. That that's just understood. I mean, like when when they call you up on the phone, that when when they say, uh, hey, uh, we're gonna draft you here, Justin. We're excited to have you. And by the way, don't talk to Walter. Jones. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Unwritten rule. That's great. Well, listen, Justin Forsett, you are uh, you are known before I ever met you. You're known to be one of the the nice guys of the NFL, and so you have proven it once again. We wish you all the best in free agency, good health in 2015, continued success, and most of all, congratulations on uh, on number two there. Another little Thank boy you. in the house there, huh? Appreciate it. Thank you. Go get him, Justin Forsett. Off he goes now into the free agency night. <laughs> Dave, Dave. All right. He's a sweetheart. I like him quite a bit, that Justin Forsett. You know, it was funny, by the way, I mentioned earlier in the show, I saw him in the green room with MJD, and they greeted each other. It's a funny little fraternity that they have, literally little, because they are two of the smaller guys you'll ever see in a sport with so many behemoths, these superhuman-sized uh, uh, guys out there running around, that these two little guys really made such hay, have made such hay in the NFL. It was uh, it was fun to kibitz with MJD. I mean, at their position, it's almost like a plus, though, right? Yeah. Being that I, size, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, certainly you could make a case for that. Like MJD was unstoppable, than... you know, in short yardage yeah. at, at his very best. He was unstoppable. He's a little bowling ball. Exactly. But Forsett really cuts a very similar figure to him. When they were side by side, they were both quite diminutive. I tackled them simultaneously just to show them who's boss. Um, all right. It. So we'll do. So wait. So what? I just, just to clarify what we have coming up this week, Black Tie. Oh, as if anybody's still listening. As you're listening right week. now, Justin Justin Forsett video is already up on NFL Now and NFL.com/slash/podcast, so you can check that out. Okay. Um, we're gonna have Antonio Brown video coming, I believe, on Thursday or Friday. Very yeah. fun visit. Really fun. Him. Yeah, really fun. Very fun. Good Not guy. pretty fun. Very fun. Very I fun. Said. I you were, you know, you know, butt kissing quite a bit, you know. <laughs> So well, I, I'd love to. I, I want after the fact. Here's what I want to do. Once the world has had a chance to watch the Antonio Brown interview, I want to parse through it. I want to go through it, and I want you to show me what I said to him that you consider to be butt kissing. Well, the whole. What did I say? He's the best receiver. He is the best receiver. Easy, easy. Two hundred and forty-four receptions is two hundred and forty-four receptions. Legit. His best going across the middle. All right. What else did I say that was so outrageous? You converted him to Tom Brady. 
which is rough. You know, it's like, come on, dude. Like, you're like, oh, you like the Tom Brady of wide receivers. Like, yes, that is an apt like, comparison. Pull up the brakes. Because they were sixth round picks. Yeah, I, I'm back here with Sean, you know, who's helping out on a podcast team, who's helping put the video right? together. We, we were both kind of like, geez, what is going on? Why is so well, much butt kissing? Why do you have to expose the fact best, that you don't know dancer. about football clearly? Sean said he's the best dancer. You called him the best dancer, the best dressed. He would just, just love Well, no, I, I didn't call him the best, but maybe I did. But I, I say that about all the fashionable fellas. I'm always struck by the fashion sense of uh, some of the guys in the league. Antonio Brown is fashion forward. That's all. I complimented him on Well, yeah, so that video will be coming out later this week. It's going to be pretty fun. Uh, check it out. Definitely. Very fun. And also, join the Girl Scouts of America who have tweeted out the cookie debate now, mm-hmm. um, along with Peanut Tillman and a bunch of the other fellas. J.J. Watts in it, Megatron, Lev Bell, A.B., the great Broadway Joe Namath ate cookies with us. We sat there and we ate uh, Thin Mints and Samoas. Name man Bruce Arians. Khalil Mack. Yes, Todd Bowles. Arians was a lot of fun. That's just the start, too, because we asked a series of questions to all the guys on the red carpet, and we have other fun ones that we'll get to in time. Jamal Charles was out there, our, our old friend. Uh, Jamal Charles and uh, and so on. So check that uh, out. It is Thin Mints versus Samoas. NFL stars weigh in. Available at NFL.com on Twitter, on YouTube. By the way, yeah, go to the YouTube and ch- and search for NFL. You'll find that and a bunch of other videos. It's a new uh, a new platform, as I believe it's called in uh, in NFL media. So all right, we'll be back to give you at least one more podcast. So much action's happening though. Who knows? Maybe we'll have to do we like seven about or eight. The LT video. That's going to be coming out on Wednesday. All right. Well, see, that's why I asked you to yeah. fill in the blank. Well, I said for we me. forgot. See, I'm doing a lot at the same yeah. you're just standing I am you're doing just a listening lot. black tie. All right, I'm going to wrap it up. Yeah. We'll be back with more Huey and applesauce later on. In the meantime, thanks so much football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.